0: Tuesday, everybody. Welcome to the Pick Six podcast. Week five is in the books. The Saints thrashed the Washington Redskins, forty-three to nineteen. Boys I were all on that game. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. I'm joined right now by Sean Wagner. We're going to break down the Saints and Redskins game. Drew Brees' historical, record-breaking evening, and then we'll talk to Brady Quinn about everything that went on in the NFL in Week Five, including what teams that are under five hundred that we should bury. And, uh, maybe reasons to be concerned about the Eagles or why we should be concerned about the Eagles. It's an excellent conversation. Make sure to stick around for that. For now, Sean, what's going on, buddy?
1: Not much. Oh, Sean,
0: Sean. It's- oh my goodness. I forgot to tell you. Did you know that Drew Brees broke a record <laughs> on Monday night? He you broke. Know
1: what? I thought ESPN probably should have paid a little bit more attention to the fact that he was on the cusp of breaking the record, but good thing Twitter existed because Twitter pointed it out. No, I mean, it was, we were talking about this throughout it was Preposterous. The game. They cared more about the record than the game. Way more. Every way more. Every, every completion was, he is now 184 yards away from breaking the record and it's like at that point in time we thought it might be a close game and I was like guys there's a game going on. And then the fact that they stopped the game 2 minutes before halftime to celebrate it, he's going over to the sideline to talk to his family. I was just like, what are we doing here? Joe
0: Tessador spent three and a half minutes explaining, like, what an amazing moment. Did you hear what he – and I like Tess. I-, I really do. Like, I think Tess is a great announcer. But he's like, did you hear what he said to his kids? Like, if you <laughs> believe – if you believe it- – guys, if you believe in in, in- – and look, it's a great message for your young sons. I- I'm proud of him. But, it- like, it- guys, if you believe in yourselves and work hard enough, you too can pause an NFL game – one and a one and a half quarters into it, and force everybody to wait while you celebrate a fairly arbitrary milestone that someone else is going to break in right. five years.
1: That's what I was going to say. It, it's an incredible accomplishment, to, you know, to be the guy who throws for the most yards in NFL history. The only problem is that you can point to five guys right now who have a decent shot of Matt breaking Ryan, that record.
0: Matt Ryan, Matthew Stafford,
1: Stafford, and then you go to the young guys, guys Patrick like Mahomes,
0: by the end of this year. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Mahomes by December will already break this. Uh, so that, that was the thing is we're celebrating this occasion that isn't that historic when you consider it's not going to be, it's not going to be a record in 10 years. It's just, it's just not. And passing yards just don't mean what they used to because the NFL is so passive. I mean, the fact that Matt Stafford, for example, might end up owning this record. He's a good quarterback, but are he's not like, a great quarterback full time.
0: Are we going to pause a Lions game where Stafford's down like, like 35 to 3 to the Packers and be like, hold on. He broke the record. He did it again. Stafford did it. I mean, I'll say this. Drew Brees is A, a first ballot Hall of Famer and B, wildly underappreciated for who he is because he has never been at any point in time that he played the best quarterback in football. Like just not, not treated that way. I mean, he played with Peyton Manning. He played with Tom Brady. He played with Aaron Rodgers so there's always been one or two guys ahead of him. He's never won an MVP award. He's
1: led That's the, insane.
0: He's led the league in passing, passing yards 7 times. He's led the league in passing touchdowns 4 times. He's led the league in completion percentage 5 times. He's broken his own completion record, completion percentage record like 97 times in a row. Um, he's put up insane offensive statistics in New Orleans. He's won a Super Bowl with the Saints. Every year he piles up yardage and he's never won an MVP. Uh, he's been wildly underappreciated. And so I, I get it. We paused, we paused for Peyton Manning when he broke the record. Um, and and I get that we paused it for Drew Brees, but they could have, they could have said like, we're going to honor him after the game or at halftime. I don't know. I, I, I get, I get it. Whatever. It's
1: fine. What would it take for you? I saw someone discussing this on Twitter. I don't know who it was for people or you to consider putting Brees either above Peyton Manning or in the same discussion as Peyton Manning. One more Super he's, Bowl, because... He's
0: in this, no, he's got the same number of Super Bowls, as far as I'm concerned. Peyton's got two, but one was a
1: BS. Well, one was against Freeze, though.
0: What? No. Peyton, yeah, Peyton, 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 Peyton beat, goals. Peyton beat your Bears, boy. Peyton's only... Oh my only god, seen... who, who do they... It's the Saints, the, the Saints on. beat Peyton! Do yeah, you know that's what right? I'm saying. Oh, you're right. Oh, I'm you got yeah, you, you gotta back. flip. Back. Yeah, 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 No, I mean, like, I think that, I think that, Um. I think that Breeze is right there with Peyton, but he won't ever get that full respect because the difference was the Saints were bad a lot. Like even yeah. when, even when Breeze and Peyton were putting up these massive numbers, they went seven and nine three years in a row, which is almost impossible to do when you got that kind of, um, offense in the NFL. And so like it was almost like they were playing a video game. And Peyton was playing football. That's I think that's yeah, how It, it was like, different. oh, look
1: at this nice, cute, like showy offense and how much fun they are. Then, oh, let's go to Brady versus Manning, part eight. Right. Um, no, I get it. I think it would be really awesome if the Saints could win another one with Breeze, just so he can at least. I feel like when we discuss best quarterbacks all time who are playing right now, it's always Brady, Manning, Rogers, and no one. They'll they'll throw him in. Oh, he's in that group, but there's never any serious conversations. And you can find people out there. Who will go to their grave saying Peyton Manning is the best quarterback of all time? People who are watching the game now. I'm not saying they're right, but you don't get that with Brees. There's no one out there trying to make a point for Breeze being, you know, a top three quarterback of all time. I'm not saying he is, but it's insane in this era where everyone can make an argument for, you know, everyone that we don't have anyone doing it for Brees.
0: I'm I'm with you. I mean Peyton Manning. I mean, he averaged, let's see, when he was, so by the way, in 13 years in Indianapolis, his record was 141 and 67. In 13 years in New Orleans now, Breeze's record is actually 116 and 79. So i be mean, like, it's not that far off. I think, I think, I think a couple of things hurt Breeze. One, he went to San Diego. He was drafted by the Chargers as a second round pick in 2001 Um, in the same draft as LaDainian Tomlinson. And he went there and he was, he didn't play his first year. He struggled his first two seasons. He came on strong in 04 when they drafted Philip Rivers. He played in 05 and then left. And so he wasn't considered great until he got to New Orleans. And I think he gets dinged because. Of Sean Payton, because Sean Payton was, I think he gets dinged because he wasn't great in San Diego and because Sean Payton helped to make him great. I think, I think that hurts him. Like Drew, like, um, uh, Peyton Manning never had a great offensive quarterback or offensive coach. Like, like Tom Brady never had a great offensive coach either. You know what I mean? Like he's had great offensive coordinators, but he never had this, like, like Sean Payton's considered one of the, like, two or three best offensive minds in
1: football right now and, and one of the top 10 offensive minds in football ever, right? Yeah, definitely. And, uh, and the, I mean, the thing with Brady is that the Belichick argument is even used against him by some people saying, well, he's never played with anyone other than Belichick. So uh, no, I get that. And you just saying that did remind me of the brilliance of Peyton Manning, that he was able to overcome John Fox. Uh, and set you know the single season touchdown record, which by the Chip- way they did not pause the game for when they. Yes, happened. yes, they did. Oh, they did. I remember they that. did the pretend throw the ball around celebration, but I don't think they actually full on game. Yeah, yeah. At least at least
0: they announced they were going to pause it for Breeze, so we at least we at least had our it wasn't like like we had our sarcasm prepared for it. You know what I mean? Um, let's talk about this game a little bit. Breeze, breeze. I mean, we just did. We just did what ESPN did. <laughs> we just ESPN Those about clowns talking about e- <laughs> Drew Brees all the time. We talk about Drew Brees all the time. Um, to, a couple of things are interesting to me from this Saints game. Uh, one, Mark Ingram comes back and has a monster game, uh, at least from a fantasy perspective. 16 carries, 53 yards, two touchdowns, caught two passes for 20 yards. Alvin Kamara was phased out of this offense. I don't necessarily think that is, we're not going to use Alvin Kamara. I think it was, we think we can win with Mark Ingram. He's chomping at the bit because he's been suspended for four games. We need to ease up Alvin Kamara's workload. He's carried the ball too much, and we're going to do that over the next few weeks to get him back on the pace we want him on. Uh, two, Traquan Smith, three catches, 111 yards and two touchdowns. Nobody was starting him in their fantasy leagues they wish they were because he had two big bombs he's a speedster he's just another weapon they added uh Cameron Meredith caught a caught a nice 46 yard pass Michael Thomas not a big game either uh this is it was it was a weird game in in that sense um but I also thought that the I I just thought that the the Saints showed us they have more than what we thought they had the first four weeks
1: yeah, it's funny that we're talking about a down game from Michael Thomas and he still caught four or five targets for 74 yards. And it just speaks to how good he is that that is now considered a disappointing game for him. Um, about the Kamara stuff, I don't think there's a reason to be that concerned. He's too good of a player for them to give the ball to nine times, which I think he touched the ball nine times tonight for 39 yards. That's just, that's not gonna happen every game from here on out. That being said, if you are a Kamara fantasy owner, Mark Ingram's here, and he's going to be taking away goal line touches. He's going to be starting a running back, and this is a thing that you had to know coming into the year, that Ingram was going to come back. Those first four weeks were going to be inflated for Kamara, and now there's going to be balance. Both of these guys are too good for them not to use, so I don't think you should be concerned if you're a Kamara owner in terms of this is what's going to happen every week. But, yes, his value is going to go down a little bit because um, Ingram is that good. Uh I mean, it's just it's incredible that... I, they signed Cameron Meredith in the offseason and like that kind of just flew under the radar. He's a good receiver if he's healthy. Sure. You know, and it, they just have so many weapons. I mean, you're bringing in Kasem Hill and he's trucking a, a linebacker to get a third down conversion and then you're running him on the goal line and then he's scoring a touchdown. I don't really know how you're supposed to stop the Saints offense. And if their defense can just improve marginally, which by the way, last two weeks, I think they've allowed 37 total points mm. and last week, we kind of chalked it up to, well, it's the Giants being the Giants. But the Redskins don't have a horrible offense. And, I, you know, it seemed like they should have been able to do more against the St. defense, who, by the way, were without Marshawn Lattimore. After the first quarter, he had a concussion. And I don't think the St. defense is going to be as dominant as they were last year. But they don't have to be dominant with this offense. They just need to be competent and okay, get turnovers. And if Marcus Davenport, who had a uh, strip sack, can keep, Doing what he's doing. Like, I think they, I think they can be that contender I thought they were gonna be if their defense continues taking this next step.
0: Uh, worth noting, Alvin Kamara, 17. These are the touches for each, each week by week. 17, 19, 31, 24, and 9. Those are his touches. If you wanna buy low on Alvin Kamara, now is a good time to do it. I'm still serious. They got a buy coming up. Go, Alvin Kamara's owner might be panicking. Like, they're probably not gonna give him up cause he's been so good at fantasy. But like,
1: I don't mind to, like, go out there and Try and, try and make a Who's a receiver you would trade for him? Or, like, who would you offer for him? I don't know if anyone's selling him, but.
0: What if you. Would you rather have Todd Gurley or Alvin Kamara?
1: Todd Gurley. Okay.
0: Uh, would you rather have Zeke Elliott or Alvin Kamara?
1: Honestly, Kamara, I think. And that's not a slight on Zeke. It's just the offense that they both operated. One is a prehistoric offense, and one is suited for the modern age. But
0: you could go. You could take your Zeke Elliott, the Alvin Kamara owner, and offer him right now and see if somebody panics.
1: I'm just yeah, saying. Right. I'm just
0: saying. Like, if the, if the Alvin Kamara owner thought they would hit gold, because Kamara fell into the mid middle of the first round or, or early second round, maybe. Um, and Mark Ingram comes back, that's when you at least throw something out and see what happens on the defense. I think that's really interesting that you pointed that out, Sean. I think I don't think you're wrong. Um, Alex Smith looked like absolute crud today, and uh, you can't you can't brush that aside. Um, Adrian Peterson uh 3 carries 8 yards they just the, the Saints the, the Saints just got kind of a big and the Redskins abandoned their game plan uh, Alex Smith threw 39 times if he throws 39 times you're not going to win the game uh zero touchdowns one interception he was missing guys all over the place horrible game but he did get pressured a lot and i if, i don't know if people remember this from last year but the first 2 weeks of the season the Saints defense got obliterated And then all of a sudden, they go to Carolina, and they start smashing the Panthers around. And that's when the defense started to pick it up. Now, I don't think that this defense is – like, I agree with you. I don't think this defense is going to magically be, you know, the same unit that it was. But, you know, they do have the same personnel. Davenport has looked really good. Cameron Jordan's a stud. They have the players in the secondary. And and when you start to really look at what they've done the last few weeks – Maybe they can't, maybe they can't pick it up. They're still going to be involved in shootouts, but I think they, if they're a, an above average defense moving forward, the Saints are going to be hard to stop. They're now four and one. They got a, a game up on the Panthers. I think they're a much better and more complete and more dangerous team than the Panthers. Um, but, uh, the Falcons stink. I mean, the Saints are, the Saints are, yes. the Saints are going to, go ahead.
1: Go we ahead. thought, we thought, we thought the division was going to be the, probably the best division in football. And it looks like the Saints are the only legitimately good team and, you're talking about – we were writing off the Saints' defense. You were right. I mean, they got burned by the Fitzmagic Express, which was burning teams left and right. And I think they've had two poor performances, and they've had now three good outings. And, and the other performance came against the Falcons, who even though they're not very good, they've been scoring poor points, and Matt Ryan's been on an unbelievable streak right now. Just, they're just not winning games. So I think maybe we overreacted to the beginning of the Saints' Season, And I think the bottom line is I don't see a team in that division that will hang with them over the course of the season. And maybe I'm too low on the Panthers, but it seems to me like the Panthers... I don't know how the Panthers keep up with the Saints when they play. Uh,
0: can you, the Panthers are fine. Panthers can score points. Panthers get the Redskins in D.C. next week. Uh, then the Eagles in Philadelphia the week after that. Then the Ravens at home uh, the week after that. And then the Buccaneers at home the week after that. So, you... that. To me, that looks like a two-and-two two stretch for them. The
1: Saints have a tough schedule after they're by. They're playing are, yep. teams that all are in the playoff hunt.
0: Rams, all, Ravens on the road, Vikings on the road, Rams at home, Bengals on the road.
1: So They like, could go one and three in that stretch very easily. Sure.
0: Of course, and I think it would, and then they get the Eagles at home, and then the Falcons at home. I mean, like the Falcons stink, but they're going to come in and score a bunch of points and be competitive with him in that particular game. I It's really fascinating to me that the Panthers and Saints don't play each other until the final three weeks of the season. So two games against those teams in the final three weeks of the season. I mean, like I, we looked at it, I mean, I looked at it from yeah. the beginning and you said that's going to be when the division is decided if the Panthers are any good. And it looks like they'll be good enough to be in that hunt. Like even if the Panthers are two games back at the Saints, yeah. you know, you, you win those two games and all of a sudden you flip it. So I mean, the NFC South looks to me like a two horse race at this point. Obviously, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think both of those teams that whoever doesn't win the division, I think both of those teams will also be in the wild card hunt.
0: I I would think so, given how bad the the NFC North looks outside the Bears, given how bad the NFC North. <laughs> I can't <remember> saying that <laughs> NFC West looks outside of the um outside of the uh, the the Rams, and given how bad uh the uh, the East is, this East this is terrible. The East is awful. So now the East, if you look at it. I mean, this is a boon for Philadelphia because the Redskins, I I know they probably weren't going to go in there and win, but now the Redskins are two and two, a half game up on Dallas,
1: a half game up on Philly, and the Giants
0: aren't out of it. No. They're not out of it.
1: The, The Giants, the Giants are out of it.
0: They're not out of it. Just saying.
1: I don't think the Giants can get the eight wins, which is which might win the division. Giants,
0: Giants should be two and three too. They shouldn't have lost to the Panthers either. Uh, All right, that's enough of us talking about this game. This is good stuff. At Sean J. Wagner on Twitter. By the way, every single team in the NFC East has a negative point differential. (laughs) Redskins minus four, Cowboys minus thirteen, Eagles minus one, Giants minus twenty-four. It's not good. Follow him on Twitter on Sean J Wagner. Let's go talk to Brady Quinn. All right, welcome back to the Brady Quinn Football Show, <laughs> featuring Will Brinson. i no, was just kidding. Um, this is my favorite. This is quickly becoming. I can say this because I assume that people who actually the other people who come on the podcast won't listen. But this is my favorite part of of my of the daily podcast, Brady. Um, and I will say this too, in all seriousness people have reached out to me and said, man, I am loving those segments that you and Brady have. Uh, they were very informative, and you guys seem to have a nice rapport, but why do you keep talking about salmon shorts?
2: Well, the the inside joke behind the salmon <laughs> shorts is, uh, you like the color. It's very flattering on you. And uh, given the fact that you live up in the Carolinas. Uh, you sometimes like to put on your spares with some salmon shorts <laughs> and, and, and walk around. And the, the ongoing joke is whenever you do your hits for CBS Sports HQ, which if you haven't checked it out, check it out and go to cbsports.com Click on the link. Check out Will uh, because he'll be wearing a, a dress shirt, a tie, and a jacket. But what you can't see is him wearing salmon shorts. That is- um, so, so that's what you're missing out on.
0: It is depressingly accurate. A lot of times they're like Patagonia, um, which I guess is like a bathing suit, but it's mostly just like, like lounge shorts that I've had for 20 years and my <laughs> wife, my I'm wife sorry. would burn them to the ground if she could just to get rid of them. Uh, but you mentioned CBS Sports HQ. Uh, you should check that out. It's 24-7, streaming, live, real sports news for real fans. Brady's on there. I'm gonna, I do the Sportsline show on Monday, Tuesday, and Friday. Uh, there's a sportsline show that hosted by our friend Nick Costas, who's moving from Florida to Newark to, or Stanford, Connecticut, excuse me, to fire up a new studio, uh, from 11 to 12 on Saturdays and 12 to 1 on Sundays. Gambling, fantasy advice, all the news you need to know. Brady's all over CBS Sports HQ. If you want to win, you better watch. Go to cbsports.com backslash live. Um, nobody did any winning on Sunday night, Brady, in the Cowboys Texans game. Like, I get that the Texans won in overtime. But it didn't, it felt like we all lost, didn't it? Because that game, that game was, that game was two bad, too bad coaching jobs. If you were going to fire, if you had to fire somebody today, I'm not suggesting you want to fire either guy, but if you had to fire either Bill O'Brien or Jason Garrett, who would you fire first?
2: Well, I wouldn't fire Bill O'Brien only because I think the Texans team are starting to kind of get their, their Ooh. mojo back. You know, you know how Stella got a groove back? I kind of feel like that's the <laughs> offense right now, uh, for the Houston Texans. I'll tell you this much though, Sean Watson better watch out. He's got to be more careful of running and getting rid of the football. He cannot continue to keep taking hits like he did close to the goal line from Jalen Smith. I didn't know if he was going to get up from that one. Um, and that offensive line is already doing a poor job this year, but we talked about it last week. He's been adjusting to it. He's figured out a way of how to adjust to it. Um, of the seven sacks they faced two weeks ago, uh, six of them came on first and second down. So they're overcoming that, converting a good amount of their third downs and I think even though they struggled this past week versus the Dallas Cowboys, enough, obviously, to win the football game, but they need to do a better job with him. I think this is all going to come down to that fourth and one decision, which Mm -hmm. I don't know how you felt about it, Will. I think you can make a case for why Jason Garrett should have punted the football. Um, That whole game, they only gave up one touchdown to the Houston Texans, so it's not like he should have felt overly confident in his offensive line's performance, especially considering how, how bad they've been in protecting uh, Dak Prescott, or really the running game. They really didn't do much the entire night. So um, I can see why he would have said, you know what, let me pin him back. Let me make them go the long, hard way to try to get points against defense that I feel like has done pretty, pretty darn well tonight. Um, however, we did see an example of a team on the road earlier in the day, the L.A. Rams' Sean McVay decided to go for it on fourth and one in their own territory Yeah. and ended up getting the first down in a quarterback sneak. And that, all of a sudden, that juxtaposition makes – Jason Garrett look it makes it look that much worse.
0: Yeah, my my thing with Jason Garrett and uh our colleague at CBS Sports.com Jared Dubin who's actually a Cowboys fan and is driven nuts by Jason Garrett. He wrote about it today. Jason Garrett his the Cowboys in his tenure have converted on fourth and short 75% of the time. So why not go out there and trust your play calling, trust your <laughs> offensive line, use your 62 240 bound quarterback to lean forward and pick up a yard um I I think that Brady in these situations if the quarterback gets any push at all, the referees who are just spotting it based on you know what they can like you know it's, it's like they're spotting like there's no there's no scientific method here. They're just trying their best to find the best spot. They're going to give the quarterback the benefit of the doubt, right?
2: Okay, right, the benefit of the doubt. That may be the case whether it's Dak or Zeke running it. Whichever case you want to make. It. And look, I've heard the analytical ar- argument. All right, I talked to Jamie Eisenberg earlier. He gives me all the nerd stats and <laughs> analytics to it. Guess what? It's easy for all of us on the outside to make that decision, right? Because our job's not going to be on the line. Right. But the second you do go for it, and by the way, it was more than fourth and one. I know Jason Garrett came out and said it was fourth and a long one, which I guess everything's bigger in Texas. <laughs> but it, like, even though um, it, it was a long one at that, and you want to throw out all these stats of their conversion rate and all that stuff, the second they don't get it, guess what? Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, Jason Garrett lost in the football game by going for it. He doesn't get any sort of brownie points, right, for being aggressive and going for it. He put it on his defense. They didn't come through. That's the bottom line of this whole discussion because what's to say that they, they don't go or they go for it, they don't get it. And then Houston's now within twenty five yards of kicking that field goal to win the game. So, you know, that argument I think only exists if you won can talk about all the data and information you have. Like I don't know how many games that study's, you know, done over as far as the fourth and one, their conversion rate and all that, but that is only good when you have enough of it to actually draw a conclusion from it. I think what we're doing right now is resulting. And resulting is a poker term used when people make decisions based on the outcome. That's not how football is played, right? You've got to learn how to make good decisions before you know the outcome with the little information that you have. So until you can do that and, and perfect that, um, you can't always look at hindsight because we can all sit here and be armchair quarterbacks on Monday and tell you where you got it wrong.
0: Well, just to be clear, I do think that, Getting your process down ahead of time and having that process in place and and not being focused on the results. I I agree 100% with you, but I think that's the analytical nerd way. It's like, hey, you should you should have this. Like Doug Peterson when he went for two when they got they got it. Do you see that happen with the Eagles in the Eagles? uh, Yeah, of course. and, And again,
2: I've seen the analytical argument to it and people throwing it out, but we also don't know. Like like we hear someone give us their analysis of it and they say, well, based on the data, what is the data? How many games have you actually looked at that it, you have a 50-50 chance going into overtime? Well, that's, is that but, truly the case?
1: Yes. Like, we no, don't,
0: no, no, Brady, Brady. Like, overtime comes – it's a coin flip. Like, it is literally – overtime is definitely 50-50 because it's tied. It's like an even game.
2: No, no, I get that. But would you think that more often than not the home team actually has an advantage? Wouldn't you think it's like 55-45? The, the numbers can't be that exact where it's just 50%. And that's where anyone who tells you that is in the gambling market or does, does betting professionally – They'll talk to about how sharp those lines are and how sharp they are in order to make decisions in that world. And that's what I'm saying is if those people who make their money in gambling and on bets are looking at how sharp lines are and looking for movement and looking for those edges, you better believe that you, have, you need to have football teams with that same sort of data if you're going to try to use that as justification for making decisions on why you go for two in the fourth quarter and all that. Like Again, I get the understanding of all this. Uh, because people look at it and say, well, look at their conversion rate. But guess what? That conversion rate is not going to be as successful the more two-point conversions you go for mm-hmm. and the more fourth-down conversions you go for, right? The greater sample size you have, there's, a, there's more of a uh, you know, re- regression to the mean, and that's what you're going to see. You're going to see those numbers come down, and the conversion rates
0: won't be as high. Here's, here's the way I look at it. What If you're a Texans fan— what did you want Garrett to do in that situation? You wanted it. Like, I had the Texans minus three in the Super Contest, so I was rooting for the Texans to win by three, by preferably four. Yeah, um, preferably. Or, 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 or More than three. I mean, I'll take the half a point with the, with the three-point win. But, but I wanted, I badly wanted Jason Garrett to punt. I did not want him to go for it on fourth down because I thought they would get it, and I thought they would go down and kick a field goal and win. They were on Houston's 42-yard line. Like they were almost in range of a field goal right there. If you pick it up there, and I I get what you're saying, trust your defense. The the Texas, the Cowboys defense, by the way, is better than the Cowboys offense by a lot. By a lot. And that's, and that's been a, a very surprising development, I think, in, in the 2018 season. Um, I would, I, I want to, I want my coach to be aggressive. Um, I want him to, to go forward on fourth down. I want him to take the risk. And I mean, I, if I'm, if I'm rooting for the Texans in that spot, what I don't want is Jason Garrett going for it? So I was, I was pleased with the pun and that. That's sort of my litmus test for it, too.
2: Okay. That, but, but two, two weeks ago, the Houston Texans played who? Uh, the Colts. There was a last, and, and, last, and, and last, they, last week, last week. The Colts. Well, yeah. it, two games ago. Right, right. right. It, I forgot. We, we, we can't call it two weeks ago. Right. Um, two games ago, they played the Colts, right? And there was a coach that made an aggressive call at mm-hmm. home, right? Exactly. How'd that work out?
0: But it it worked out in their favor. Right, right. Sure. So uh, I, I
2: think what we've seen, we've seen both strategies implemented and it hasn't worked out in either case the passive approach the more aggressive approach and either way it hasn't worked out the text have benefited from both and so again that's just one example i, I know we can go through the analytics and the stats
0: now you're a the nerds now, out there now, now you're it, resulting by the way yeah,
2: well exactly <laughs> but, but that's what you're doing like we're using the, the the past results of conversion rates to then justify why we should and i'm trying to explain to you every situation and circumstance is different sure And and look, you could apply uh, analytics and data uh, in a a, a better fashion in other sports because you don't have as many variables. And anyone who's within a front office and anyone who's a part of a lot of these NFL franchises will tell you there's a ton of variables into play where it becomes a lot more difficult than baseball, which uses sabermetrics to their advantage because it's easy to sit there and talk about a right-handed pitcher who's faced this right-handed batter a bajillion times and and know what the success rate has been versus different pitches and, and, and home away and all that stuff. It's not so easy in football in doing that. And so, so that's what makes it more difficult is you get a bunch of people who live in their parents' basement who look at all the data, <laughs> and they want to sit there and talk about why that coach should be fired based on this decision. They're not in a seat. They don't know what's going on, on the sidelines. They have no idea what the conversation is, what the front looks like, what the box count is, and all that. Because the other thing is if they went for it on fourth and one and they didn't, throw the fo- or they didn't run the football and they threw the football, and, and all of a sudden if it didn't work, guess what? everyone want Jason Garrett's head because oh, yeah. they should have ran the football. Like you, you can never win when you're in Jason Garrett's position unless you do what Sean McVay did. You go up, you run a quarterback sneak, and you get it, and then you win. You're never going to be able to appease everyone because even the people like Pete Prisco, who I don't know how he feels on this, on this particular um, decision by Jason Garrett, he probably wanted him to go for it. But he would second guess even if it worked out because there's always going to be people who second guess the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys.
0: That's no, that, look, that's fair. I mean, it's a different spot to be in. Um, I will, I will, I will tell you this that there was actually somebody second guessing the Cowboys coach, um, right after the game. We were being outplayed. It's time for risk at that particular time. Do you know who said that?
2: Jerry Jones did. And I, and I would say this to Jerry Jones. You haven't given your quarterback the weapons and the, the players on the outside necessary to help your team be more explosive to help your team be more aggressive so if you don't want to be in that situation moving forward go sign back des go figure out what wide receiver you want to try to bring in to shake things up or to try to help him out because these guys aren't separating these guys aren't able to get open versus what was a pretty bad secondary at least coming into this game for the houston texans and you know, I think it's tough for Dak, considering that the protection isn't quite the same as what it used to be. So you know, he's, he's got to make plays where he, he you know, shrugs off J.J. Watt somehow and then sprints to the sideline and gets the ball off downfield to Tavon Austin that is probably a, a pick 50% of the time just in, in order to be able to have a chance of getting big plays. That can't be how you, you base your offense and its productivity. You've got to have some go-to wide receiver, someone who's reliable. And the Cowboys don't on the outside right now. That's just the bottom line.
0: Uh, would you say that the Cowboys have a chance to be a playoff team?
2: I, I think they still do because the division's not out of reach for anyone. Same. The Washington Redskins currently lead the division at two and one. They're coming off a bye, playing Monday Night Football versus the Saints. Well, guys. when people listen to this podcast, it's right. already happened, right? Sorry, right, right. right. already happened. But and then depending on the result, we'll see where they stand. But yeah, they've got a shot because they can still win the division. You know, unless Philly starts to get things together, and that will be an interesting th- the team to talk about. Cause Carson Wentz doesn't look quite the same. Mm. Uh, but unless they can get it together, I don't think anyone's running away with this division.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't think so either. The Cowboys have an interesting schedule. Jaguars at home, no Leonard Fournette already ruled out as of Monday, which is disconcerting for the Jaguars. Then they get the, uh, the Washington Redskins on the road and then they're by Titans, Eagles, Falcons, Redskins, Saints coming out. That's not an easy, not an easy road to hope, but it, it's just very, um, a uh, very maw-ish NFL this year. Like it's there, there's a couple of really good teams, and then it looks like there's still a cluster down a there. A lot of parity. Yeah, a lot of parity. That's I what mean, I look, there's looking. there's
2: no winless teams. That's a great side for the NFL mm. because it keeps viewers engaged. Any team can beat any team at any point in time.
0: That's right. Uh, any given Sunday, even one That's could right. say. That's right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it is a great movie. What about um? You should. You could play the Willie role Beeman. if you <laughs> steaming Willie Beeman. Would you play the? You could play the role. What was the Willie be- the guy who you could? um
2: Oh, I have to be the old white quarterback. Is that what you? Is that what you? Oh, that's that's so messed up. Bro, of course, you, would, you just you 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 typecast me. Of course, you would. Well, you you, go. you
0: did just spend the first ten minutes of the podcast calling people nerds and talking about bloggers and basement. So you typecast. I don't think you were talking to me. You were talking, you were talking about Pete Prisco. By the way, Pete didn't tweet about that. Somehow he spent like two hours arguing with people about the Doug Peterson thing, and then I guess just had. Um, like uh, uh, his bedtime or something like that. So maybe he didn't stay up for that Texans-Colts game. I know he was on off the bench this morning, so he could have been uh, terrified about going to bed early. Uh, we mentioned the Eagles. They lost again. They don't look great. They don't look right. What's wrong with them?
2: Yeah, I think the first thing is their offensive line, which you probably could say they are the best offensive line last year mm-hmm. in, in the NFL. Yes. They're not playing that standard this year. And I think part of the reason is, You know, Teams are testing them up front with a majority of of looks, stunts in games, and pressures. Because I believe that there's a consensus among defensive coordinators that they don't think Carson Wentz is 100%. Is he able to play? Yes. But is he 100% or at least what we remember before the injury when he was playing at MVP level with his mobility and athleticism? I don't think so. And I think that's what people are doing right now. They're forcing more pressure looks. They're doing things up front. Even when they rush forward to force them into one-on-one matchups, which is causing more pressure on Carson Wentz. So I think that combined with the fact that the running game hasn't been as consistent and that has a little bit to do with some of the injuries they've sustained in the back backfield. But I think that chemistry has struggled so far this year. That's hurt them. And then on top of it, their defensive front hasn't been as dominant. I mean, everyone knows how good the Philadelphia Eagles defensive line is. They're coming into that game or that matchup with a game plan of how to attack them. That, that entire off season, to figure that out. And I think they know about screens. They know about the quick game, the RPOs, the things that are effective against that group. And so far, they're utilizing it to their advantage. And I think those are the two things that stand out the most to me for a team that dominated the line of scrimmage, largely to help with them win a Super Bowl with, with some backups and some key spots. They're no longer dominant in the line of scrimmage this year.
0: Yeah. And you know, the Eagles are interesting because, and this cuts both ways. They could have won yesterday, could have beaten the Titans easily, uh, but they didn't, you know, they, they only beat the Colts by four at home and only beat the, the Falcons by six at home. And then both of those games could have swung the other way. I'm not trying to su- suggest they could be 0 and 5, but it just it tells you what a fine line there is um, in the NFL. Three tough games coming up for them. Uh, they got the, the Giants at home. Well, excuse me, Giants on the road this Thursday on a short week on NFL network for the Thursday night game. That's just tough, right? Like it does, does the does the Thursday night opponent, do you think it does the does the fact that it's Thursday night, if you have to go on the road, does that yeah. mitigate yeah, you, some of the You're
2: screwed. You're screwed. Oh, okay. Right. I mean look, the home teams are undefeated so far this year, right? Uh,
0: yeah. And and in fact home teams are uh perfect against See, the spread too.
2: Yeah, and and sixty percent advantage when you look at them historically on Thursday Night Football. Okay, there's been few years where we've seen that road team have an advantage as far as the win loss column. So just outright, and then I'd have to go back and look to to the um, the the spreads, but there's a huge advantage. And so you know when you look at the context of this match, of the fact that it's going to be a divisional game, like yeah, of course it plays to the advantage of the home team uh, more so than ever before. And I think that obviously hurts um, in the sense of, you know, just predicting the matchups and looking at the outcome of what your season may look like. But, you know, going back to just the Eagles, this division, everything else, like that's why, you know, the Giants are one and four right now and I'm not writing them off. Wow. I think I'm not writing them off because I think they're talented enough. And this division is still, still close enough where they could make a run. Now there's some other one in four teams, (coughs) the Atlanta Falcons, (coughs) the Oakland Raiders, (coughs) their season's over with, uh, in my opinion, because you look at the top teams in that division, I think whether it's the Saints or the Kansas City Chiefs, they're going to run away with it, and I don't know that they're going to be able to be good enough in the grand scheme of things to compete for a wild-card spot, at least dealing with some of the issues that they're dealing with, whether it's you know the defense and Derek Carr's struggles and turnovers in Oakland or the defense and all the injuries they've sustained on that side of the football uh, if you're the Atlanta Falcons.
0: All right, well, let's, let's come, we'll come back to the Giants in a second. Give me a you – can, you can be a... – you can be, you can go Bon Jovi on this. Dead or alive, San Francisco Forty ers Dead or alive. Dead. Yeah, that's an easy one. Arizona Cardinals. Dead. Dead. Yeah. Uh, do, do you like do you like what you see out of Josh Rosen? He had a great. I did.
2: Yeah. I, I did. You know, it, it was kind of a gutsy or gritty performance. I don't know that you're going to come away really impressed with what those box score looked like, but I, I think he does a lot of things early on in his career as a rookie that you should appreciate. I mean, the way he handles the line of scrimmage, the way he handles some of the checks and things. That Mike McCoy asks of him, I think they can. They feel like they can put a lot on his plate, and they feel like he was, you know, ahead of the curve, uh, if you will, for football IQ at a very early age. So um, those sorts of things are impressive to me. And just, you know, again, it's a win versus the San Francisco Forty ers who are playing with their backup QB, but still, one that, that you know that team isn't that bad defensively. I think they've they've been better than what they were a year ago.
0: Uh, you miss Atlanta Falcons, one and four, they're dead, right? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, and see, even with Matt Ryan at quarterback, they can't. Go on some hot streak, and by the way, they've, they've allowed the most points in football. 160, right. 163 so, points. So again,
2: here's the problem with Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan, as good as he is. He's
0: having a great season,
2: statistically. Right, by the way. Statistically, right? <laughs> Which And that's why, that's why no one ever gives him any flack. Because his stats always look good. Like, we make fun of Blake Bortles because he passed for over 400 yards in a loss. We're like, oh, it's so Blake Bortles, like garbage time <laughs> stats. Matt Ryan's just been in a better situation in at Atlanta. But it's, it's, there's some similarities in the sense of wow. when, when, they, when he doesn't have a lot of help out around him, which he usually does, at least offensively speaking, um, you know, it's not like they're winning a ton of games. Like he has before in his career, and he's a good quarterback, but he's not to that echelon or that tier of like Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees and Tom Brady and those guys. Like I know he's got an MVP under his belt. I mean, give, give any quarterback Julio Jones. Give any quarterback Mohamed Sanu and, and now Calvin Ridley and Devontae Freeman. See if they don't put up some production and they'll put up some stats. Uh, especially in Kyle Shanahan's system.
0: Wow, burning uh, Matt Ryan to the ground. I'm not. I'm not burning. I'm <laughs> just fine, saying we
2: we give him this term of Matty Ice, then he needs to prove it. Like yeah. he needs to be able to overcome their deficiencies on defense and start playing like a, a player who's paid as much as he is. Like unfortunately, when you sign a so- sort of contract, and you're gonna pay 150 million. You better be able to overcome your defense losing a couple safeties and a linebacker for the rest of the season. Like you better
0: be able to deal with that and overcome that. He is, uh, won 58% of his career games. So it's not, not, I mean, he's, I mean, he's got, you know, he had, he went 4 and 12, 6 and 10, 8 and 8 for three straight years before ripping off that MVP season. So dude, I know, I'm not saying quarterback wins is a thing. I'm not trying to well, do and that. Well, here's,
2: here's the other thing, right? So you look at Julio Jones, uh, and, and in his first 100 games, right? He's number one in receiving yards, number one NFL history, first 100 games. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal, incredible. Testament to him and Matt Ryan. And, and also, you know, obviously to him, uh, second, second, if if I'm not mistaken, uh, as far as catches in the first 100 games, okay, or, or receptions. He's 43rd in touch, or excuse me, 76th in touchdowns. It's crazy. He has 43 touchdowns. Like, that's it. Like, one of these things is not like the other. How do you have that much production in every other facet, but you can't figure out what he's scoring? Like, the red zone kind of reveals some things. Timing, anticipation, and, and really extreme accuracy. And that's where I think Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, that connection's been tested. And it just hasn't been as uh, prolific as you would think based on the other stats.
0: Tampa Bay Buccaneers 2-2, two two, dead or alive?
2: They're dead, but, you know, again, I think I give them a fighting chance. I think they're a better football team than we thought. And and that's another reason why I think you look at Atlanta at 1-4 and four and say, all right, like those games, they're going to be more competitive than we think.
0: So. Mm. Denver Broncos 2-3, dead or alive?
2: I'm, I'm saying dead at this point. I just don't believe that Case Keenum is going to be able to help them, you know, take the next step. He's, he's too inconsistent, I think, as a passer. Uh, you know, he's going to need a lot of help. He, and, and their defense isn't as good. Like Bradley Roby got burnt twice by Robbie Anderson for touchdowns last week for the Jets. Like if you want to be a good team and a wildcard playoff team, that defense has to travel. And unfortunately, they ran the ball down Denver's throat. Isaiah Crow had a field day on big plays, especially getting to the edges versus guys like Bradley Chubb and Von Miller, who are great pass rushers. But, you know, when, when you have direct runs at them, they're a bit undersized. And sometimes that plays to your advantage. Uh, that did with the Jets. Uh, game. And then all of a sudden, when when you're forced to put the extra guy in the box to stop the run, then they can throw over top of a guy like Bradley Roby, um, who's just not a key to lead. So that team, to me, is not the same. I think that window's closing on what they were as far as a, a playoff-contending team and really that, that almost Super Bowl-caliber defense.
0: The Broncos have given up 131 points this year. The Raiders have given up 149. That's not good. The Raiders are dead no. at 1-4, by the way. Colts dead at 1-4? Um, wow.
2: That's a tough one because they've been so competitive this year. And I don't, like, I think Jacksonville's by far and away a more talented team. But I don't know. I mean, no, I'm not going to say they're dead yet. I think that's a very competitive division.
0: I'll tell you this. The um Colts are going to be on CBS for the next three weeks in a row. They get the Jets on the road, the Bills at home, and the Raiders on the road before their week nine bye. That I'm not saying they're going to win all three of those games. I think they'll be competitive in all three of those games, and if they can manage to get to three and four with with close losses to the Texans in overtime, the the you know the Eagles on the road, um, and the Bengals in that first week game, um, it's a team, it's a team that can make a little noise because they have uh all of their all but one of their division games after the bye. So it's, it's at least worth noting, right? Yeah, of course it's worth noting.
2: And and I, that's where I feel like, again, they can make a run. This is a young team that's, you know, beat expectations in some ways.
0: Are the Pittsburgh Steelers dead at 2-2-1? Two, two and one?
2: No, of course not. I mean, look, that's too talented of a team. And I think, you know, dealing with all the drama and everything else going on right now, uh, when they can beat a team as handily as they did with the Atlanta Falcons like that, mm. uh, who, who do who do have some firepower, and it looks like their defense, you know, made some subtle changes and adjustments. Then, then no. I mean, they're definitely still in the mix in the AFC playoff picture.
0: Is, is the AFC North the best
2: division in football this year? Uh, it might be. I mean, look, you look at every one of those teams, and you're the, sitting there saying Dude, like, the
0: Browns' defense is just good. Oh,
2: it's so good. And, and we, we talk so much about Baker Mayfield like he's the savior. No. Greg Williams, John Dorsey with what they did to stack that defense, and then how Greg Williams has implemented those players and how they're playing. That defense is making this team be able to be competitive every week, keeping them in ball games. Even when you know Baker Mayfield has his turnovers, they've got his back, um, and, 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 I, and they're getting pressure on opponents. So that, to me, has been the glue that, that keeps the Browns together right now. And I think as they continue to, to be one of the more dominant defenses in the AFC, um, their offense will come along with that.
0: Every single team in the AFC North has a positive point yeah. differential through five weeks of the season, which is... Not something you can say for most of the other uh most of the other divisions. Is there anybody anybody else that I'm missing? Uh, the brown or the brown the Browns are not dead or alive. They're not dead, right? Two two and one. No,
2: definitely not dead. I mean, I don't know how many it. more games they'll win this year. Like if they win another five or six games, I mean, it would be phenomenal. That's a great and season, yeah. For it, Cleveland, it's unbelievable. It really is. Uh It's tough to do though. I just I, I don't you know you look at that Baltimore and Cleveland game, and then you know Baltimore or Cleveland fans were complaining about you know a spot the week before in Oakland. I mean, this week they get the benefit of the call. There's a block in the back call that I don't know if I agree with, and if, if that call's not made, Baltimore's probably sitting there kicking a field goal to win it uh, mm-hmm. in, in, in overtime. So, um, you know, they were the benefit beneficiary of a call this week. So yeah. it, that, that's the tough part is, you know, we can talk about calls all day and all that, but at home they got the benefit of a call this time it worked out. I don't know that that happens in Baltimore.
0: Well, uh, all right, so the Giants, really quickly on them, and we'll get out of here. They have this stuff with Eli Manning and Odell Beckham, and OBJ did that. He sat down with uh, ESPN's Josina Anderson and had Little Wayne with him, which I guess is what Terrell Owens would do if he if he were if he were around in 2018. I mean, this is like a the ultimate diva wide receiver move to sit down with. It's like, oh, you know who needs to be in our interview? Little Wayne. Like that's who that's that's who needs to be sitting here. We definitely need well, Little Wayne. Well, why
2: doesn't Little Wayne need to be there? That's,
0: Just a, that's a fair question too, Brady. I guess yeah. I mean, it'd be like it's.
2: Is there ever a bad time for Lil Weezy?
0: No. No, there's not. Did he um, change
2: his name again, though? Is it
0: is it Little Weezy or just Wheezy? You're Maybe asking Wheezy. You're asking yeah, the wrong guy. Now, if you want yeah. to talk about some noodles? I'm your guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> somebody, let, somebody, I don't know if you saw me tweet this or not. And you yeah. can follow Brady on Twitter at three uh, rd underscore goal. Um, somebody tweet. Somebody left a review on iTunes. That mentioned Nuticles, so that was exciting. I mean,
2: as as many episodes we can get with Nuticles in it, that would be my preference. Maybe we'll, right? I we just, might we'll change the uh, name. There's a lot to talk about in regards to Nuticles.
0: The Brady Glenn Football Show with Nudicles yeah. featuring Will Brinson. Uh, the uh, so, but do you are you concerned that the Giants? What is this drama with o, Odell and and Eli and questioning Eli's ability to throw down the field and, and all this? What, what does this do to that locker room? Because Pat Shermer said it would quote galvanize it. Do you buy or sell that? Um,
2: I'm kind of still out on that because here's my thoughts. This ultimately comes down to Eli being a leader. You know, at, at this point in his career, he's won two Super Bowls. They made the decision to keep him a draft stake on Barkley to help him and Will Hernandez and bring in Nate Solder. So it comes down to him basically taking OBJ to the side and saying, look, man, if you're upset about your targets, which he got targeted, I think, twice as much as the second next wide receiver yep. or receiver this past game, um, guess what? You're, you're going to really be upset about how it's going to work out for the future because you can't be going out and making these comments and saying this. Look how bad the O-line's blocking for me. We have no time to stretch the field. You know, if you've got an issue about how we're utilizing you, you know, maybe you need to look in the mirror first and or, or go talk to Pat Shermer about moving you around more and playing other positions and all that um, so we can get you the football because it doesn't do any help to talk about the downfield passing game with as bad as the O-line struggled. And Everyone's going to say, oh my gosh, Odo Beckham, he threw a touchdown pass to Saquon Barkley. It's the longest play from scrimmage. Okay, well, go put him in the pocket behind that offensive line and then see if he's able to continue to replicate that. I, I don't believe he will be able to. <laughs> just because he's getting paid quarterback money doesn't mean he should start playing quarterback. Uh, but I think this is more of a of a cultural leader issue, really, amongst the players, not not the coach. Because this is now spread through two different head coaches. And, and I think mm. you know what you're going to get with Odo Beckham. Like, paying him more doesn't change him. It just... You know, makes him richer. <laughs> he's just got more money in his bank <laughs> account, right? So he wasn't going to change who he was or who he is just because you gave him a contract. He's like, oh, now I should really like, you know, quit acting a fool or whatever else you want to say uh, or speaking out. Uh, but but the bottom line is this. Eli Manning needs to start playing better. I mean, he's got to be the cure to all this, but it needs to start with his conversation with OBJ. And it needs to start with him being a leader and being more vocal about it. Because it seems like you know Eli and Ben Roethlisberger; those guys who tend to be a little bit more passive to the media and all that. Um, it, like guys like Antonio Brown and Odell Beckham, all of a sudden create more of a fuss uh,
0: mm. or act more
2: emotional, and maybe has something to do with some
0: of those guys' personalities and the way they lead. Interesting. The quiet, the quiet leaders sometimes can uh, allow uh, the, the, the the even wide receiver to take over. All right, Brady Quinn, you're not a quiet leader. You're uh, you're a uh, uh, I got that. I got one. Uh, you're yeah. fantastic as always, Brady. It's a blast. Uh, we'll, we'll do it again next week, man. Sounds good, brother.